Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. We're continuing our series on life groups. Jake started this uh, last week, so you missed that. Grab it on our YouTube channel. Um, he covered these five characteristics that we think are really, really important in life groups. Community, growth, encouragement, vulnerability, and worship. And last week he looked at community. And today I want to look at this whole thing about how life groups, gathering together in smaller groups of people, helps us grow. Now, when we lived in Birmingham, we had a very cuddly, beautiful pet. Trigger warning, does anybody not like spiders? Well, meet Belle. This is Belle. Uh, That's a life-size photo. (laughs) She wasn't quite that big, but she was a big spider. In fact, she was so big, it was hilarious. If any of our kids were out in people's houses and they said, oh, look, we've got a big spider, they go, that's not a big spider. This is a big spider. Belle was a Brazilian salmon pink bird-eating tarantula. Mouthful, eh? Brazilian because she's Brazilian, salmon pink because she's covering lots of these little pink hairs. Bird-eating, actually not bird-eating at all. The first naturalist in the 18th century, when they discovered tarantulas uh, in places like Brazil, they actually saw one sitting on a dead bird and assumed that tarantula had killed it, so they became bird-eating spiders. But actually, they don't hide in trees and jump on birds. They don't really eat birds. They eat things that crawl on the ground. She's... um, she's Belongs to the second biggest species of spider in the world. She was about nine inches across. So if you want to get a feel for what that looks like, uh, here's a little video. This is Belle going for a walk on a Sunday afternoon. Well, I'm, looking, I'm glad you're all saying R, because actually she's a very gentle, very gentle lady, very, very gentle, very slow-moving, uh, struggling to get over the edge of a tank there, but um, I think she'd been out for a drink the night before, but she's... Uh, there she goes, off for a little walk. Our theme today is growth. And spiders like Belle have a problem when it comes to growth because they have a thing called an exoskeleton. Their skeleton is on the outside of their body, unlike your skeleton, which is on the inside of your body. Yeah? So their skeleton is their skin. And their skin helps them, um, it gives them protection and it gives them support on the outside, but not on the inside. But the problem If you want to grow and you've got a rigid exoskeleton, what do you do? You're trapped inside essentially a suit of armour that's pretty inflexible. How do you grow bigger? Well, creatures like Belle have solved this problem by shedding their exoskeleton. That's what they have to do. They have to come out from inside their shell, their exoskeleton, to grow bigger. They're amazing creatures. They spin themselves a hammock like this one. Now, she looks like she's died, but she hasn't. She's put herself a silk bed and she's flipped herself onto her back. At that point, she'll spend about an hour extracting herself from her exoskeleton, a bit like you and I would take a glove off. Uh, you can see her big teeth there. She's got fangs about an inch long. Now, most people are frightened of spiders because they don't know about them. They're ignorant of them. They think, oh, she bite me. She'd venomous. She'd kill me. Well, actually, they don't have much venom at all, about the same as a bee. But she's got pretty big fangs. So if she bit you, it would be a bit like bitten by a big cat. Okay, so uh, spiders like tarantulas don't uh, kill with venom, they kill with sheer size. So don't worry about being bitten by a tarantula, it will just hurt, it won't kill you. 
Okay. So, well, they could be anywhere, couldn't they? They could be anywhere. In fact, I've let Bell loose in the auditorium today. Not really. Back to exoskeletons. How does she get bigger? Well, she has to come out of her exoskeleton. Uh, she's smaller when she comes out, but then she pumps herself up and she sets. Okay, so she has five days to pump herself bigger and then she sets. And essentially, that's how a creature with an exoskeleton can grow. Here are some uh, of Belle's malts. So you've got this one on, this is the first one, and then the second one, and you can see she's getting slightly bigger each time. These are fantastic for practical jokes because they're perfect replicas of, you can leave them around the place, put them in boxes, you know, you can really have fun with these because they are very, very realistic. <laughs> Down to the tiniest detail. So Belle could live for about 20 years, and so she'd probably shed her skin about every year, uh, go through this process of getting rid of her exoskeleton and growing bigger and bigger. Now, hopefully, even if you've got spider phobia, you feel a bit more uh, up-to-date on spiders, and perhaps uh, you might like spiders a bit more after today. And if you don't, well, that's a bit tough. Um, we, didn't bring, we didn't bring Belle with us. Uh, we sold her to a pet shop back in 2013, so she's probably still out there enjoying herself, getting bigger and bigger, uh, and giving someone some fun. But, um, yeah, growth. Why talk about exoskeletons? Well, we can develop a bit of a rigid exterior too. We can develop a bit of an exoskeleton as we go through life. And that can be a real barrier to our spiritual growth. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and described it this way. He said, it's a bit like wine. And he said, you don't take new wine and pour it into old wineskins. Because if you do, you'll burst the skin. The wine will run out and the wine skill will be ruined. No, you pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Jesus described the kingdom as like a fermenting new wine. When wines ferment, they give off carbon dioxide. They, they will expand and put pressure on any container they were placed upon. And so if you poured that into an old wineskin, well, wineskins in Jesus' time were made of like animal skin, like stomachs and things like that, and they were pliable and flexible when they were first made, but over time they got rigid and inflexible. And if you poured a fermenting wine into a rigid old wineskin, the expansion would split the wineskin, you'd lose your wine, and you'd ruin your wineskin. So what you need for a fermenting wine is you need a new, pliable, flexible wineskin to put it into. Anyone who's put a can of drink in the freezer and forgotten about it, a few of you have, clearly, um, you think, I'll just pop that in there just to, just to chill it for a half an hour, and then two days later you open the freezer and you've got a, a waterfall of Coke or beer, depending on whatever you've put in there. The expansion has split the can. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is an expanding thing, an expansive thing, and it needs to be put into a flexible, pliable container. And that flexible, pliable container is you and me. That's the container that Jesus pours the new wine of the kingdom into. Whenever we start to follow Jesus, he promises to deposit his spirit into us, to pour his spirit into us. We become recipients of the new wine of the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church at Ephesus, he said this. He said, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. 
So Paul prays this incredible prayer that you and I would know the expansive nature of God within us, just how big and wide and deep, and they will be filled to the fullness of God. And the imagery here is being, Holy Spirit's being crammed down into you, stretching you and expanding you and overflowing from you. So to be part of the kingdom of God, to be following Jesus, is to be filled with an expansive wine of the Holy Spirit. But we have a problem. And that problem is we tend to become rigid. We tend to become inflexible. We tend to harden our hearts. We tend to darken our thinking. And left to our own devices, you and I develop a bit of an exoskeleton of rigid beliefs and practices and behaviours. And it can be a little bit like this suit of armour. It can sit on the outside of us and it can help to protect us and define us, but also isolate us. Left to our own devices, we tend to turn inward. We tend to focus on ourselves rather than focusing on God and other people. And rather than our lives expanding and growing with the Holy Spirit within us, we can tend to solidify into an exoskeleton of the self. People often ask me, do I need to go to church to be a Christian? And well, of course, the answer is no. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. A better question might be, do I need to be around other followers of Jesus to be a Christian? And I would say the answer is probably yes, because we need people in our lives who are going to help us break down that rigid exoskeleton. We don't do very well on our own. We don't do very well on our own trying to follow Jesus. Rather than growing as God intends, we tend to get stuck in our stuff. Anyone got any stuff this morning? That stuff that we struggle with, that we all have, it tends to solidify us and prevent this expansion taking place in our lives. And so without the influence of other people, other believers, we tend to solidify and we tend to get stuck and we may even shrink. But God has got an escape plan. He gave Bell the escape plan of being able to mold her exoskeleton to grow bigger. She just shed it and expanded. And you need an, ex- an escape plan for your exoskeleton of your stuff, and so do I. And God has given us one. In fact, he's given us many. And in your Bible, they're called brothers and sisters in Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ. This term is used over 120 times in the New Testament part of your Bible. Time and time and time again, the apostles write to a church and refer to the brothers and sisters in Christ. They write to a group of believers. And this is how the early church was formed, a close-knit community of people sharing their lives together. And so to be a follower of Jesus was to be brought into close proximity and community with other followers of Jesus. And it's this close proximity which helps to break down our stuff, helps to break down our exoskeletons that we can sometimes solidify into. And that's why we believe at Riverside life groups are so important because they bring us into proximity with other believers. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. And the image there is iron being rubbed against iron and both becoming sharp by the friction. And actually, as we rub up against other people, 
then we get our corners knocked off and we get changed. We get become, we're made more Christ-like. And it's this intentional proximity to people that helps us grow as believers. And life groups are really good at helping us to maintain this proximity. My tendency and your tendency is to swerve inward towards the self, away from people. That's what happens when we're left to our own devices. We tend to become rigid. We tend to become inflexible. We tend to turn inward and away from God and others. But if we choose to put ourselves into something like a life group, then we're intentionally and deliberately putting ourselves into proximity with other people. And those other followers of Jesus can help to break down our stuff. They can help us become pliable and flexible and soft-hearted. And this happens through a number of ways. We get to experience other people's stories and perspectives. It's wonderful to see how the Holy Spirit works in someone else's life, what's happening in someone else's story. And as we hear other people's stories and experience, and our experience of God is enlarged. Our experience of God's character widens and broadens. And also it reminds us that we aren't the centre of the universe. Surprise, surprise. God is working in other people's lives too. And as we hear other people's stories and get to share their experiences, our faith is built up and our understanding of God broadens. We get to extend grace, understanding, forgiveness and patience. Anyone had to do that in a small group recently? Of course we have. Because the people we're with aren't always the same as us. They're different to us. But we get to put ourselves second. We get to serve other people. We get to listen to other people. Life groups are a great place to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. Other people will try our patience. Other people will test our love as we put ourselves in close proximity to them. A natural tendency is for you and I to pull back and just avoid the hassle, isn't it? Just pull back and avoid the hassle of relationships. Because relationships can be tough, they can be difficult. But it's in community where we grow. And the whole essence of the gospel is the reconciliation of all things. The reconciliation of you and I back to God and the reconciliation of you and I back to each other. And so as we put ourselves in those groups, we get to experience the gospel being played out in our lives and the lives of people around us. We get to put others first. Even by just stopping talking for a moment and listening, you are putting somebody else first. You are choosing to listen and support them and encourage them and pray for them, maybe offering practical help to them. We get to put others first. That's really important as we're looking to grow together. Jake mentioned last week that life group is a place of action, a place where we can actually come alongside each other and practically support each other a bit of your life can be poured out on behalf of somebody else and not just kept for yourself and so as you deliberately put yourself in that space then you're going to bless other people you're going to create a space for you to grow and for them to grow when we come alongside people then love becomes love in action not just love in principle and if we just gather to study together as a group of people then we miss the application of the gospel which is to live out that love in community. The Apostle Paul, he challenged the Corinthian church. He said to them, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. 
it's great that you know a lot, but what's that actually making, how is that making a difference in the way you live your life? And sometimes the church has been guilty of puffing itself up with knowledge, but not actually building itself up in love. And actually, it's the love that grows within us which has action in other people's lives. And in life groups, we get to apply that love. We get to live it out, build each other up, and in turn, we get built up as we live in that proximity together. And we humbly put each other first in love. We break down our independent exoskeletons by receiving from others. As you humble yourself and say, I can't do this on my own, I need people in my life. As we humble ourselves, we receive God's grace and love through other people. Being part of a life group is intentionally saying, I need help. I need support to do this. And that's incredibly powerful because the scripture says God opposes the prayer but gives grace to the humble. And when we humble ourselves, it creates a root for God's love into our life. Pride is a bit like a poison to spiritual growth. It leads us into independence and isolation and prevents the work of God in us. And we can become spiritually proud and independent, but rigid and inflexible and stuck. So we put ourselves into Christian community like a life group, then we're saying, I'm going to humble myself to recognise I need other people and I need to receive God through other people into my life. And that can really soften our hearts, soften our exteriors. If that's what life groups are, what aren't life, what life groups aren't? Well, life groups aren't a place where we all have to be the same. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about the manifold wisdom of God, and that word manifold meaning uh, multifarious. I used a picture uh, like this to show that the variegated beauty uh, of God and his church. And Anne prayed beautifully this morning into that sort of imagery of how we have that beautiful variation and colour and depth and expression uh, in God's church. We're not supposed to be uniform, we're supposed to be unified. We're not supposed to be all the same, we're supposed to be united around Christ. And so when we join a life group, it doesn't mean to say we all have to be the same. We're not, we're this beautiful, variegated image that God brings together around Christ. And because we're all different, then we're not going to agree all the time. It's okay to have a different opinion to someone else in your group. I've said before, I'm not very keen on the phrase deep Bible study. Why am I not keen on that phrase? Well, I think that phrase implies that if you and I dig deep enough and for long enough, we'll find the one particular truth that is present in that particular scripture. And all we have to do is keep diving deep, 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 and burrowing down, we'll eventually get to that truth. Well, sorry to disappoint you, but theologians have been doing this for hundreds and hundreds of years, and they all don't agree, okay? They've been doing deep Bible study for as long as you like, and they still don't agree on what the meaning of certain texts are and certain phrases. There's a variation of opinion on what certain things mean. The wonderful thing about church family is that we can hold different opinions and different perspectives and have different experiences on how God is working in our life. And a life group isn't a place where the leader is going to put everyone straight and give them the correct answer or the correct version or the correct interpretation. You might have a full and frank chat about suffering and why does God allow suffering? And you might come to lots of different opinions and perspectives on that. 
And there won't be one right answer on why God seems to allow suffering in the world. There simply won't be one answer. It's okay to have different opinions and different perspectives. That's okay, particularly expressed in something like a life group. We've been working on a a Riverside Statement of Beliefs to go on our website to help people understand what sort of church we are. And we've lent heavily on the ancient creeds because we feel within them uh, they encompass the heart of what Christian faith is. We haven't tried to rewrite them. But here's a quick extract of what we've put about the Bible in our statement of belief. What we've not tried to do there is to define what every single verse or scripture means in the Bible. That would be too much. What we've tried to do is give a flavour and essence of what we believe are some of the central themes and tenets of what is in the scriptures. And hopefully that resonates with you. And we'll put a full version of that on the website in the next week or two. Life groups aren't a place where we all have the same struggles. We're all unique and we're all uniquely challenged by life. And you don't have to hide your struggles because you think that somebody else might not be struggling with that struggle. By being in a life group and being in close proximity to other people, someone can support you. Someone can come alongside you. Someone can pray for you. They might not be struggling with what you're struggling with. That doesn't invalidate your struggle. The Apostle Paul said, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. And I think the broader expression of this verse means that love can deal with everything. Love can deal with the, the variation of experience that we have as believers. Love can deal with the variation of weaknesses and vulnerability we have as humans. Love can cover over all these things, whether we deliberately fail, whether we fail involuntary, whether we, whatever it is we do, love can cover over all of these things. And a community of love is a powerful thing because it takes care of all of our shortcomings as people come alongside us and they become channels of God's love and grace to us. So hopefully I've whistled through what life groups, why I think they're so important in the life of the church. They're fertile soil for you and I to grow. I was a bit cheeky using Bell today, the spider, but you won't forget this talking hurry, will you? (laughs) Is there a risk to being involved in a life group? Well, yes, there is a risk. People will let you down. People will misunderstand you. People will disagree with you. After a busy day, the last thing you might want to do is grab your car keys, go out the front door, drive to a house group, listen to someone prattle on about their day. That might be the last thing you want to hear and you want to do. But I think there's more of a risk of staying away from proximity to people. There's more of a cost and a risk of you choosing or I choosing to isolate myself from fellow believers because as I do that, I begin to solidify and the growth and the expansion of the Holy Spirit within me begins to slow down and I begin to become impliable. Any follower of Jesus who chooses to isolate themselves from other believers is much more likely to stunt their spiritual growth. That's just the way it is. Any follower of Jesus who chooses to isolate themselves is much more likely to turn inward, away from God, much more likely to turn into themselves, much more likely to develop a 
a hardening exterior to the work of the Spirit. We do best when we're in close proximity to people, particularly people not like us. People might have different opinions, different perspectives, because they come alongside us and they sharpen us, they knock the corners off us, they help us to grow and think differently and experience differently. They help us to practice the gifts of the Spirit. They help to deliver God's grace to us. And that's why gatherings like life groups are so important for our spiritual growth because we intentionally and deliberately put ourselves in close proximity to other believers. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.